Some business owners seem to have the Midas touch. Janet Deneef is one of them. Living in Bali, her empire includes, check this out, beautiful cafes and restaurants, a homeware store, a cooking school, a luxurious hotel, an entrepreneurial tours business, and the list goes on. Listen in as she reveals how she's built her Balinese empire. It's the award-winning small business big marketing show, thanks to American Express. Yeah, I say, welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim Bowie. And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing tomfoolery. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner and you are ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. Today's 447th episode is made possible thanks to American Express, whose business card programs can help optimise your cash flow and help you grow your business. Who doesn't want a bit of that? As well as an outstanding choice of rewards is what they offer. All you need to do after this episode is Google Amex Business to find out more. Big show today. Yes, in doodly doodly. Ex-Melbourne girl turned Balinese entrepreneur Janet Deneef takes us inside her family's business empire. You'll discover a way to wow your clients that'll make you seriously dangerous. And I reveal a couple of great guests that you will be meeting in upcoming weeks. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Oh, wow. Wow. You know what that means? It's time for a business building tip to wow those precious, precious clients of yours. Thanks to our great mates at American Express, whose business card programs also make the smart business owner go wow. And as usual, all the way from Los Angeles, we're joined by Steve Sims, speaker and best-selling author of Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Sims, how are you and how can we wow those precious clients of ours this week? Oh, I, th- I think we got a good one, pal. Um, have you ever heard me talk about No Email Tuesday? I reckon I have in your book. It, yeah, it, it's in there. <laughs> um, one thing I like to do is I like to wait until about 9.30 in the morning when all of your emails have downloaded, and then quite simply, I will turn the in- internet reception off. So I can read through them all, and then what I'll do is I'll cherry pick about 20, and for the entire day, I will actually phone up those clients, and I'll go... Hey, Tim, I, I got your email and I know what you said in it was, you know, X, Y, Z, but I wanted to take a couple of minutes to chat to see if there was anything we were missing. Now, we've been doing this for, I would say, probably about nine years. And a lot of people send things on email and don't fully consider what's in there or don't think about the other possibilities. I've never, ever made a phone call and then gone back to that email <laughs> and given the client what they actually asked for in it. It's always been a case of, do you know, I never thought about that, Steve. Yeah, we should add that. Oh, no, I've actually phoned up people from those emails and gone down a completely different route 
to the email that I first received. Yes. Well, how unusual to speak to someone these days. You know, we just get the email thing is we get on there. The first thing we do in the morning, we smash through them all. And there's this sense of it's probably um, an unrealistic sense of completion because what, as you say, we should really be doing, choose 20, pick up the phone, have a chat to them about what was in the email. But who knows what's going to come from that chat? Oh, 100%. And you're doing this really strange thing. You're showing interest to detail in what it is they're asking for. If you want to create wow, they're not going to care until you show you care. And actually phoning someone is so alien now, Mm. it shows that you're standing out from the crowd. Uh, Sims, I know why we got you on this segment. You are a, a wowing genius. Well, there you go. Thanks to American Express. That is another killer way to make your precious clients go wow. To find out how Amex can add a little wow to your business, Google Amex Business after the show. Thanks, Sims. Jason. All righty. Let's meet today's guest who I caught up with on a recent trip to Bali. Australian Janet Deneef met a Balinese man in 1984 and with very little thought, moved to the charming Balinese hillside town of Ubud and threw herself into a brand new life. She had no plan. (laughs) She never does, as you're about to find out. She just knew she was in love. Now, back then, 1984 Ubud, ducks, cows, wandering down the main road, telephones were a luxury. That was 35 years ago, though. Since then, things have changed a little in Ubud, and for Janet, she's given birth to four beautiful children and numerous businesses, all of which are blossoming or have blossomed, both the kids and the businesses. Now, this is a story of a highly creative businesswoman who doesn't care at all for planning. I love that. She isn't scared to take an idea and quickly get it to market and whose Midas touch seems to turn everything to gold. I started off by asking Janet, what she loves about doing business in Ubud in 2019. I think in Ubud anyway, um, pretty well anything is possible. And the beauty of Indonesia is you don't have, have a lot of rules and regulations. So you can sort of start, you know, churning over an, an idea and actually create that without having to worry about, you know, filling out forms or paying tax on it or something like that. And uh, I think also it's just a, a hugely creative environment. It is. There's got a bit of Byron Bay about it in that yes, sense. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, and I think because you're in a place where there's a lot of uh, artisan craftsmen still practising their trade, uh, if I want fabric, I can go to the next village and actually watch it being hand-woven and buy it. Uh, I adore that part of it. Do you think you could have done in Australia what you've done here? Not at all. What what percentage could you have (laughs) done? I don't think I'd even think of it. I I often think that. I think if I were in Australia, I would would be teaching art, you know, um, and probably uh, tearing my hair out, um, you know, chain smoking, I don't know, although you can't really smoke, you know. But I mean, I, I think I'd be a different person if I had to live in Australia. You arrived here in 1984 Chasing love, am I right? Well, I arrived in 84 after first coming here in 75. Oh, wow. Yes. Is that when you first met Katut, your no, now no. husband? No, no. Um, we came in 75 because my dad had a bit of 
uh, cash in his pocket that he didn't want to tell anybody about and decided to take, he sold his family business, decided to take us on a family holiday. Oh. So that's when we, when we first came to Indonesia in 75. Can wow. you imagine it? Yeah, so. Uh, Bali or somewhere else Bali, in Indonesia? Bali, Jogja. Ah, it was mind blowing actually. Um, he came to launder money. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, we spend it all, don't we? <laughs> So, yeah, it was amazing. As you can imagine, it was just sort of um, overgrown tropical jungle with all these beautiful people wearing sarongs and um, everybody was walking back then. The the pace was even slower. Um, it was an extreme kind of overdose of How old sensory. were you in 75, you might have I asked. was 15, I think. Young private schoolgirl. Yep. Genizano. Yeah. Just down the road from where I went. <laughs> oh, Oh, where'd you go? Uh, oh, I can't tell you that. I oh, went to Xavier. No, I didn't actually. Oh, you went to uh, Trinity. It's such a Melbourne conversation. Oh, I went to Campbell Grabber. Oh, did you? Uh, oh, that's and, nice. And uh, you, <laughs> so you're 75, you come yeah. here, you obviously fell in love with the place then. Yeah, I did. I in did. 84, you fall in love. With the person. So then it was a package. And the food was in there too, don't worry, the food. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I came back in 84, you know, amidst all the claims from other people saying, oh, don't go to Bali, it's already ruined. And I walked back into the joint and thought, yeah, it's hardly changed. Seriously, in that time frame, very little had changed. So, um, yeah, I met my husband the second day and... Tell us about that meeting. How did you meet an, was a local hilarious. man? Um, actually, I was staying at Hotel Champuan, which is where um, most people stayed back then. And even in 74, that's where we stayed. And he was just in the restaurant uh, talking to... Chokputra, who's the prince of Ubud, um, and he just joined us. I was with a girlfriend. He joined us after dinner. Yeah. So, so um, you got chatting to this young man yes. uh, who swept you off your feet or you swept uh, him off his feet? I think it wasn't sweeping in that sense either. I think it was just... Um, <laughs> Excuse the pun. I know, right? Excuse <laughs> the pun. I think it was more just uh, an interest uh, because I thought I'd never met anybody like this before and it was extremely refreshing, as you can imagine, um, and intriguing. So... Um, this isn't a podcast about romance, but I think it's interesting <laughs> because you are, he's your, he's your husband, uh, yeah. father of your children and yes. your business partner. Yes. So it is a business podcast. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. you, you fell in love with a man. Was, did you have a plan to, to start an empire or... I never just... had plans. I never planned anything. To this day? To this day. Oh, much to my daughter's... Really? Yeah, I know. My daughter's... Always telling my mum, you can't just do something. You have to have a plan. I'm like, oh, is that what I should have done? <laughs> Damn. Well, imagine uh, if you had a plan. Might not have worked. Well, that's the thing. I do. I do. I'm a bit like my dad. I'm a, a firm believer of the spontaneous sort of action or spontaneity, should I say? Oh, I like that. Yeah, we don't. Denise don't do planning. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, you're, you're about you're about the four hundred and fiftieth small business owner that I've interviewed and there yeah. is a, a half of them yeah. have plans, yeah. half of them don't. I'm not, I'm not sure there's a rule book that says you must have a plan. Yeah. I know that people with plans laugh at people like you and I who don't have plans. <laughs> I sort of, I can, sometimes I make a plan after I've done it. <laughs> yeah. um, from pressure, I guess, from people saying you have to have a plan. Well, talk about some yeah. of the businesses that you have had and yeah. maybe look at them and how they came about, where the idea came from and how on yeah. earth did you launch it without a plan. However, before we do that, yeah, fall in love, yeah. bring mum and dad, I'm yeah. staying here, I'm moving to Bali, this is it. 
do you think I'm going to have a family and settle down here? Or was there at some point you must have thought, you know what, I am going to start a business? Oh, no, we never planned that. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> what was I thinking? Um, so anyway, yeah, we, we met and I spent a number of weeks here. Then I went back home and then I came back because I thought, oh, well, this feels good, you know. Um, but I wanted to write a cookbook. That's why I came back as well. And, of course, once I started to research the food, I'm, I'm like, holy mackerel, this is a whole other ball game here because the culture is so rich that I realised um, I was actually learning a bit about the culture anyway just through unravelling the recipes. It was sort of like heading to the pot of gold, you know. Yeah, so I just kept um, researching the cooking. I stayed in 85 for about six or eight months, I can't remember. And then I took Kutut back to Melbourne because I thought, well, it's all very well to be, you know, living this idyllic life here. But what happens when you take mm. him back to Australia? Had he uh, been out of Bali? Oh, no. oh, he'd been to Java, mm. yeah, but never outside of Indonesia. And this is back in the 80s, so um, you can imagine taking him to Australia. Needless to say, it wasn't extremely successful. Well, what happened? <laughs> I think so there was, was no just, ghetto ghetto. There was no ghetto ghetto. I think he was just really shocked and I never really thought about cultural differences because I'm like, oh, it's cool in Bali. Everyone's so laid back and it's all pretty and there's offerings and food's amazing. And so <laughs> then uh, we go back to Australia and he's just another Asian. And so this fairly important man in town, um, you know, is just sort of one of them. And, and, and I hate saying this, but there's an element of racism in Australia, as you would understand, and there still is, you know. Uh, yeah. And he probably felt that. Of course he did. But he was also confused. I mean, he, he wasn't used to living an isolated life like that. Even when I took one of our cooks home the other last year, she felt the same thing. Like, there's no community. None, none. Like, everyone's living in their own little houses, but you don't really see anybody. But just ask, was taking yeah. a took back to Melbourne... In, in the back of your mind, yeah. despite having no plan, was it maybe he'll come back and live with yes, me? Yes, yeah, well, that was, yeah, that, I guess. Oh, it was. Oh, that was a, there's yeah, a sort of a plan. That's a bit of a plan, yeah. yeah. Okay. I just wanted him to see what it was like. And so anyway, he went back and I stayed on teaching and then uh, eventually um, I had to pay all my bills, you know. I'd been oh, living yes. on my credit card or, um, and I didn't have any money. So then uh, the following year, I think I'd been back once and then... Uh, Suddenly, in maybe September or something, a friend of mine who had just been in Ubud, she called me um, from Sydney and said, hey, look, um, you better get back to Ubud now because uh, Kutut's just... Uh, Found someone else? No. <laughs> 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 no, he's just, uh, he's just gone into a restaurant business. Oh. I said, oh, my God, you're joking, because I was crazy yeah, about food. You're a and, I, and I'd been waitressing and, you know, it was my dream, but I just never imagined it would happen. She said, yeah, yeah, um, it seems like uh, the guy that they knew who had a restaurant in Monkey Forest Road, um, well, he was Chinese-Indonesian, you know, and he was gambling all the time and he went bankrupt. So suddenly he had to give up his restaurant. And uh, Katutani's mate, who lived just nearby said, oh, well, what do you reckon if we take over? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. So suddenly we had a restaurant. Wow. And we had, um, there was a five-year lease left on it. It was very simple and small. It still had all the furniture, just simple bamboo furniture. Um, the kitchen, you know, was about the size of a pea, but there was still equipment in there. And uh, 
So I came back and then uh, all we had to pay, there were four of us at the start, was $1,000 each and we got a fully equipped restaurant with a, with a lease for five years. So I thought, well, that's hilarious. Even then, I thought, it doesn't even matter if it doesn't work. $1,000 each. $1,000 that, That's each. a bill at Francois in Turak yeah. Road for a nice Saturday <laughs> afternoon lunch. Yeah, it's true. And some French wine. Yes. So, um, so that was a start. And uh, I was so excited because, as I said, I'd worked in restaurants and uh, it was like a dream come true for me. What do you do as a business owner here? Do you just let the staff do as they would do because we're in their country? Or mm, yeah. do you teach them that, no, no, this is how it happens mm. in Australia, America, England, where your customers are from? Yes, yeah. You do that? Yes, we do that, of course. I mean, I'm not saying you necessarily are successful at it. <laughs> um, and back then it was easier because I had a smaller kind of team, whereas now, of course, there's a bigger team. But I think also now everybody is more... Uh, aware of customer service and how they should treat the guests. And, and Bardanese are very good at being hospitable. It's That's in their nature, so they're very caring anyway. It sounds like right off the bat, Janet, you've had a, a success. You've, <laughs> you've come over, you've had an, a, a ticket to the game straight away with Katut being a local and allowing you to take part in a business for not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You found a, mar- a hungry market, excuse the pun, yeah. both in the fact yeah. that it was needed and that they were needing a feed. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, so many puns, so little time. <laughs> um, and so that's then obviously allowed yeah. you to start to f- give you some cash and some resources and access yeah. to, to other things here, yeah. labour, yeah. you know, all that, to then move on to the next step, which was. Yeah. Um, so after that, actually... My background's art, and so... I thought it was uh, cooking. Well, no, I tra- I, it's cooking in terms of my kind of major hobby, but I trained as an art teacher and my grandfather was an artist, and so I've always grown up in that really arty sort of world. So, yeah, my, my aim actually back then was actually to paint and, and sell my work, which uh, I did a few paintings and sold them, but um, my other big passion is textiles and... Um, even fashion design in a way. My daughter's now doing fashion design. So actually after that I started a dress shop. Oh. And uh, I called it Rococo. Why? Because I love the word. <laughs> I love it. I love that kind Straight of art, from the Rococo heart. Baroque. You know, I love all that stuff anyway. Yeah. So, um, Who's cooking in the restaurant, by the way, as, as Rococo's gets off the ground? <laughs> oh, just my, my team. Okay, you train them up. Yeah, you're, train you're, them you're ready up. for the next challenge. Well, do, I do have I, a short I, attention span. Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> Good, me too. What's your name? <laughs> Look, I forgot. So anyway, no, I'd still hang out there, so I was sort of back and forth. So um, in the end after that, I moved into homewares. Hey, I'm guessing your business has many, many needs. Maybe you need extended cash flow to bring to life that genius marketing idea that you've been sitting on for way too long. Or maybe you'd love a rewards points program that had you flying at the pointy end of the plane on the trip of a lifetime. Maybe you're just like a business tool that made running that beautiful business of yours just that little bit easier. Well, here's what I'd do. After the show, check out American Express's range of business cards designed specifically to help small businesses like yours. Simply Google Amex Business to find out more. Now, back to the interview. 
listeners, I'm talking to Janet Deneef, who owns an empire in Ubud, basically. I'm, I don't know how to actually uh, put that into one word. Uh, and thanks to American Express, she is telling us this amazing story. So you then decide to start a homewares business, yeah. uh, of which you have now many, many businesses. I was going to ask you about branding because if I, if I look at my list... You've got a restaurant in Casaluna, you've got Honeymoon Guest House 1 and 2, you've got a kitchen, a bakery, you've got Indoor's Restaurant, which I had a beautiful meal at the other night with uh, my wonderful girlfriend, Sarah. Uh, hello, Sarah. Um, <laughs> that's cheesy, yeah, isn't it? I know, that's um, cute. Emporium, Cooking School, Adventures with Janet. I mean... Casaluna, yeah, yeah. How yeah. do you... Uh, so your your homeware store was originally yeah. called Casalina. Yes, yeah. Is this a branding issue? As a marketer, I'm going... I know, because I had Casaluna. I was going to call it Casaluna Homewares. I never thought of calling it Janet Deneve Homewares. It's a bit of an Aussie thing, not not being so out front there. But um, someone said, don't call it Casaluna Homewares because then they'll get confused and they'll say, meet at Casaluna and they'll go to the homeware store. I thought, well, they probably wouldn't really. So anyway, I called it Casalina. And the homewares, I thought, well, it's easy because you only have to sew four straight sides, basically, if it's sheets or, or cushions or oh, pillows. So you're making all your own homewares. You're yeah, not just Because yeah. obviously over here in Bali you can buy a whole lot of beautiful Yeah, no, I, I still and... still make them. Right. This is like so, sort of little sewing Yeah, yeah, the sewing, yeah, here, yes, yeah, we do all the stuff there when we do everything for the guest house too. So, yeah, so that was fun, actually. We were the first homewares store on the island. Wow. It must be incredible as a business owner who's come to Bali who is highly creative and has ideas in cooking and clothing and homewares and whatever it is. But even back then, I'm assuming now you have money to actually do whatever you want within reason, but back then you still could do it. You still had the ability, whereas in Australia, you know, you couldn't have started a homeware store like you did. Not at all. Well, this is just a village homeware store. And you know what happened? Uh, I can't remember how many years after I had the homeware store, but suddenly um, at Casa Luna, my staff called me and said, oh, there's two women here that want to meet you. So I rocked up to Casa Luna and I met these two um, designers, interior designers, one's American, one's from Scotland, and uh, they said, oh, look, we're looking for some soft furnishings for a very small hotel. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's only 12 rooms. I said, oh, that's easy, I can do that. Yeah, um, well, it's, it's actually a, a hotel on an island. I said, oh, cute, that's gorgeous, wow. <laughs> I'm on an island too. Yeah, yeah. And then they said, yeah, it's actually um, on Necker Island. <gasps> Sir Richards. Yes. Wow. So a little Casa Luna homeware store yes, on the little island of Bali. all the soft furnishings for that. Stop it. I know. So, yeah, that ended up being the most extraordinary um, deal. I mean, well, the workload ended up being enormous because every room, of course, had... Uh, cushions and throws and kimonos and and these big covered what we called turtles those enormous cushions on the ground yes. and and we even made the yeah the the cushions for all the seats in the dining room and uh, it was an enormous uh, contract so so twelve rooms was really like code oh, for uh, deck oh, out one of the most exclusive islands in the world yeah but it was a joy to work with the women there. 
an absolute comedy team. They're hilarious. Abfab? Oh, yes. Yeah, like that. You <laughs> Patsy know. and oh, uh, what's her name? They were just so gorgeous. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we had so much fun because they were kind of crazy in their combinations of textiles and I, I'd go off scouting for stuff because most of the time we didn't have time to get it made. So, you know, I kind of knew the different places that had the best quality, uh, the thickest sort of cotton, uh, but all these amazing motives. So every room had its own colour scheme. So you'd have like various shades oh, awesome. of turquoise and then suddenly with a, like a, um, like a burnt orange thrown into the middle Did of that. Did you get you to know? go to Nicket before you started no, the design? No, no, I've never been there. Still never been there? Never been oh. there. So Richard, <laughs> time for Janet to head over to your little holiday paradise. What fascinates me, and as we talk about each of these little businesses that you've created, we haven't even got to Honeymoon Guesthouse, which is where we're yes. sitting right now. Yes, and yeah. you and what are we? How many forty room guesthouse on one side of the street and on the other side? Oh, no, it's like twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What I'm fascinated about is how do you? How does all this just happen? I know you're over here in a country where labour is cheap, mm. so it's easy enough to put resources behind it, and every yeah. and, and materials are cheap. Yeah. But it requires a certain psychology of the person doing it, right? And you're not an implementer. I don't yeah. know you, yeah. but I am guessing, mm. and I'm sitting here, well, neither of your assistants <laughs> sitting next to me smiling. Yeah. I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, you, yeah. you, you are an ideas person. Yeah, I'm an ideas person, yes. So, so who is following you with a very, very large broom <laughs> making sure that all this mayhem that Janet yeah. Deneef creates is Happening. put into action and launched? Well, all the building is done by my husband. He's a builder. Well, he is now, yeah. <laughs> and he loves it. He loves doing that. Nothing makes him happier than building. So, so he's highly practical. Yeah, he is. Very good. He's got a very good um, sense of space. Uh, I can't do that for quids, you know, that he can create a room under a room and um, he just creates spaces. So he's got a very logical mind, mm -hmm. um, which I don't have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in case you no, I got that. Didn't notice that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's the builder. Um and he just could see, uh, you know, when there was a need to do something, he'd just jump in, in and do it. Very early on, did you realise that in order for you to do what your dream is here, that you needed, and he, he needed to step up and focus on what he was good at so that you could focus on what you're good at? And if you did that, you were going to build an empire. I didn't think about that. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Far too rational. <laughs> but he, he just built them anyway. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so then we had suddenly then we had four rooms, and uh, I can't remember the kitchen might have then been up the front, and then we had an, another little room between the four rooms that was like our little loungy area, but there mm -hmm. was still a little room inside. And that's where we did a lot of the mm -hmm. the clothes for the clothing shop, etc. Mm -hmm. So suddenly, um, I think there was trouble in Jakarta, and that was. I think 98, mm -hmm. when Suharto stepped down. And so suddenly there were no tourists. Yeah, it's a problem. So, okay, we have to survive this. We've got to think uh, how are we going to get the word out about our guest house. And I thought, well, we have to get it, get it out overseas now. We can't just sit here and wait for people to wander past looking for a room. So I suddenly thought, yeah, I've got to get the word out. How do I do that? And then I happened to meet a friend at Casa Luna, this Aussie guy, old fella, and uh, I said, yeah, I just feel, it's, you know, it's not good times right now and nobody's coming and, uh, you know, it's a bit depressing. And uh, 
I need to get the word out there. And he said, well, have you heard of um, this thing called a website? What, a really? website? Domain name? Yes, just, just do some research and find out. And, and uh, there's, there's somebody on the island doing them. I know there's one person, so... So then the timing's perfect again because all of a sudden oh. the internet comes and takes your business to the world, amplifies it. It was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, there was one Aussie girl on the island creating websites awesome. and so I called her up and said, um, oh, look, I think I need, um, what do you call it? Yeah, website there, that's it. So we created a website together and so when people started Googling, uh, you know, Bali accommodation. Up popped. Honeymoon guest house. Honeymoon guest house. So it was God. like the Hyatt, Musadua, whatever, and you, then you, honeymoon you, guest house. You clearly have great karma because things are going right. Has anything gone wrong in the building? Is there a moment where you've looked katut in the... Uh, and said, why don't we do this? Well, I suppose uh, we're now having to... We really, and I don't mean just a little failure yeah. where you lost a 1000 bucks or something, but where you've really kind of got that feeling where... You, Got the wobbles, and you've gone. This is going, not going to work. And Katut, you're going back to sit on that fence in East Q and no. talking to the neighbours. <laughs> no. 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 You've been blessed. Oh well, we look. Times are not always good, you know. No. And uh, you know, but we just ride it out. You know, that's what you have to do. And that's that's the thing about being in tourism. You have to just be patient and wait till the people come back. How do you do that? Because a lot of business owners are listening who aren't in tourism, who are yeah. trying to ride out a tough time. Might be a plumber, might be a chiropractor, but who are just doing it tough. What do you say to them? Well, it is tough, you know. So um, move to Ubud and avoid <laughs> avoid rules do a yoga retreat. Uh, you just have to be creative and uh, think outside the box. Nice. But don't I know it's I know it's hard. It's harder in Australia when times are tough. Whereas mm. here, um, you know, you just live off your savings. Or you re, right now we're in the process too of sort of reinventing ourselves a little bit. Who's we? Oh, our family, our businesses, because the kids are now at a point where of two age. of them, yeah, they've come into the business and. Uh, the demographics in Ubud are a little bit different now. You've still got the old folk like me, but, you know, you've got the young kind of um, yoginis and the vegans. And uh, so, I mean, you know, we, we're sort of having to think about uh, a little bit of rebranding, I guess, or strengthening the brand or just reinventing it. So, um, yeah, but you just go with the flow because while it's tough one minute, then the next minute, it bounces back, so... Had you hoped for a family business? Now you're talking second generation. Is that a scary proposition? Family businesses are tough. They require oh, no. tough conversations sometimes, from what I hear. Oh, no. I, I grew up... My dad had his own business, so... So it's, it's not alien? No. We, we always had our own business. And, I, and then uh, I had a few jobs in Melbourne, obviously, and then in the end I decided I will only ever work for myself. Got a favourite business of all the ones in the Janet and Katut Denise Empire? Oh, I don't know. It's like know. asking for a favourite child, but I want yeah, you to answer the question. Uh, oh, well, um, I probably tend to hang at Casa Luna the most because it's my casa, it's my home, you know. So it's always been um, it's like my first child sort of thing. I'm not saying the others are lesser, but, you know, it's the first one that really took off. I mean, the other restaurant we had, we ran for five years and that was small and um, on Monkey Forest Road, but then when we came into the main road... Um, that's when we launched Casa Luna, July 92. Um, 
Well, I love Casalona too because it has Donut Sunday. Yeah. It's, it's one of the great promotions. Yeah, that's true. So it's like free um, beer, Donut yes, Sunday, yeah, two of yeah. the great headlines. But I, but I love the other, the adventures I do, these culinary adventures, the spice tour, mm-hmm. um, the cruise. I'm absolutely crazy about it. I love it. Um, I'm doing the Komodo Islands one um, in April. Um, I'm just crazy about these adventures on the ocean with no amazing food and fresh fish, you know. Well, you're in the services business. You're selling products at Emporium. One of the trends is selling experiences. People are looking for experiences. So, you yeah, know, you've tapped into something there. It's fantastic. Uh, just to finish up, you yep. have so much time on your hands <laughs> that you have, he says facetiously, you started the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival yes. and the yep. Ubud Food Festival. Yep. Is that out of a social conscience? Is that a business decision? Um, not a business decision because it's a foundation. It's what we call a yayasan. Um, yeah, it was uh, in response to the first Bali bombings, actually. So when that happened in 2002, um, you know, Bali was deserted. You can imagine there was nobody here. So I just thought, wow, what are we going to do? We're just going to die, you know. <laughs> so... I thought, um, yeah, we have to do something and it has to be meaningful. Um, and so I started to think of the whole Pied Piper, you know, thing where you you bring in whatever it is to, to bring everybody back. So I thought, well, if you want to encourage Westerners to come back, it has to be someone famous. And uh, they've got to be impressive. They've got to be leaders in a way. Um, and then we've also got this terrorist issue. So... At that time, I was finishing my book, uh, Fragrant Rice, and I was being invited to speak at writers' festivals, etc. So I was already operating in a literary arena as such. And then uh, even with a friend, we'd been talking about having, you know, poetry nights at Casaluna. I'm crazy about poetry and literature. So um, I just thought, okay, writers' festival. Wow. And now the food festival. And now the food festival. That's five years old. Um, I've been, I've been dying to do it, but I had to wait to see if my team was ready for it. Mm. Um, so I thought, yeah, I can't just do these things too quickly. But uh, after the 10-year mark, I thought, okay, now we do the food festival. Good on you. Yeah. I'm exhausted after this. <laughs> you, 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 this is your life. <laughs> this is just an hour interview for me. Um, what's next? Well, actually, um, I guess through the food festival, um, I mean, food is the major passion, um, we've just been kind of looking at all the, the young kids on the island and the young farmers. So I've been really blown away actually by these kids that are trying to pursue farming um, against the odds. So I went to a, a school the other day, a high school, and it's an agricultural school. It's the only one left in Bali. So there's, there were eight and the other seven now have transformed into hospitality schools. Um, so there's one left and they're doing amazing stuff. It's part of that Future Farmers organisation. So they've got young people, um, you know, growing micro herbs and um, beautiful eggplant and all these beautiful greens and things. Um, so I want to work with them. I met another guy who's growing amazing chocos, which I love choco. And then I met a guy the other day who's actually... Um, producing babi, pig, uh, pork, uh, in Payangan. And then there's another young Balinese girl up that way who's doing something. And then there's a guy, 
over the other side who's growing mushrooms. So it's this young generation, you know, trying so to... So your intent is to not lose the Balinese farming culture yes. and somehow get involved in this yeah. school that's the only one left. Yes, Good so I you. want to work together with them and do, like, harvest dinners and then uh, I'm sort of cooking up ideas for this joglo, these Javanese buildings mm -hmm. we have on the other side there, um, how I can bring them all into that and sort of integrate and... I always like to finish by suggesting to listeners where to find my guest. Um, there's so many different ways. They could come and stay at Honeymoon Guest House. They mm -hmm. could come and buy some homewares at Emporium. You do have a personal website, which is janetdeneef.com. Well, that's my, my blog, actually. <coughs> Your blog? Yeah. Dot yeah. com? Probably. I mean, the main, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We'll send them there. Yeah, and then we'll... the other one, of course, is casalunabali.com. So. Well, Janet, I've yeah. thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I think it's refreshing and uh, <laughs> hopefully it inspires a whole bunch of other people to come yes. to Ubud yes, and yes. start business. Is it too late to do that? To come to Ubud? To start a business? Oh, never too late. Good. There we go. There's Finish always... on a positive note. Never too late. Never too late. Yeah. Thanks, Janet. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Well, there you go, team. Janet Deneef. Now, you've got to admit, that is a lady with one serious, serious Midas touch. Can she do anything wrong? Hey, be sure to hang around after my top three attention grabbers as I'll tell you about some great guests you're going to meet over the coming weeks that are, I'm pretty sure they're going to help your business grow. But first, my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Janet, thanks to the great folk at American Express. <laughs> Attention grabber number one. You know, sometimes the idea of moving location to start a business or re-energise an existing business is not a bad idea. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean moving overseas, although Ubud sounds like a good place to do it. It could just mean moving down the road into a new space and building that new energy around your beautiful business. Attention grabber number two. I love how Janet's operating in a variety of different categories, from food to tourism to homewares. Now, I know there's a school of thought that says do one thing well. I get that. However, if you have another business idea that you'd love to get to market, then maybe take some inspiration from how Janet goes about things. And attention grabber number three... I just love any business that gives back to the local community. You know, Janet starting the Ubud Readers and Writers Festival following the Bali bombings all those years ago is a great example of a business with a very, very strong social conscience. She cares about the community in which she lives, in which she does business. That's what grabbed my attention. I would love to hear what grabbed your attention. Smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 447 is where you can tell me. Well, that almost wraps up episode 447 of The Small Business, the award-winning, by the way, Small Business Big Marketing Show. Thanks to the award this show won at the Australian Podcast Awards last year, Best Marketing and Business Podcast. Hey, we're sponsored by American Express. Search Amex Business to find out how your business expenses can reward you. And a very big thanks to Amex for sporting, sporting, for supporting the new WOW segment. I hope you got something out of that. Got another Ripper one next week. Also got some solid interviews coming up, including a chat with a couple of digital nomads I caught up with in Bali recently. Uh, we chat with retired AFL legend Matthew Pavlich, Pav, who started Australia's biggest marketplace to book sports stars. 
and we talked to a UK jeweller and longtime listener of this show, by the way, who's standing out in a very, very competitive local marketplace. So, team, be excited. Be very, very excited. Don't forget there's an entire back catalogue of interviews, 447 basically interviews over there at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you love the show, then let another business owner know about it by grabbing their phone, opening the podcast app, searching small business marketing, hit subscribe when you see my show and pass it back to them. Hit play too and say, listen to this. Until next week, I am Timbo Reid. Thanks for tuning in. May your marketing be the absolute best marketing. Bye for now.